insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the U.S. Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier U.S. activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. You don't have to be Jewish to be part of our show. And now, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello, and welcome to the Jewess patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. I want to welcome you in from New York, St. Louis, Miami, Jerusalem. I even have active and participating followers writing to me regularly from Europe. I am so excited to bring you the Jewess Patriot because I am today's premier Jewish woman activist. You don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. We're the only uh, show where a religious Jewish woman discusses mainstream media issues that impacts the entire Jewish community and our non-Jewish friends. We have a huge show tonight. I'm very happy to tell you that we have two guests, a sitting congressman on some very important committees we're going to talk about, and the debut of a brand new book on voter integrity. But first, my name is Zisel Perel. In Jewish, that means sweet pearl. And here are my opening pearls of wisdom. I don't even know where to begin. Because I wanted to start on one small topic, but I think it really relates to, like a strand of pearls, a lot of other topics. And if you pull on one pearl, it breaks the entire chain. And that's exactly what's happening in America. I want to talk to you about uh, what is going on every single day. The reason that common sense voters are really disgusted in Washington, in their own state capitals, and in their local elections. They feel that despite wanting to participate, unless they give millions of dollars, and unless they are a public celebrity or a public figure or an owner of a big organization or a super PAC, It doesn't matter how many phone calls they make to friends, how many doors they walk. They always feel that their voice doesn't count. I'm hearing that a lot from people with the RNC elections. I'm hearing it a lot as we're starting to get focused into local elections. And I'm hearing it a lot as everybody I know is inundated with emails every single day from elected officials, particularly freshman congressmen who really haven't done anything yet, begging for more money. People, we have local elections in 2023, and I sound like a broken record, but everybody agrees. If you want to have a voice, Start to meet your local candidates. Go over to your county leaderships and demand meetings. Meet the people who are making the decisions locally because that impacts you daily. 
your local libraries, your local schools. Go over to your town leadership who's working on your local streets that are broken, who hears about the anti-Semitism and other hate crimes. Go over to your small chambers of Congress and find, I'm sorry, chambers of commerce and find like minds. There are many like you. And go as groups together to the offices in meetings. We must, it's not too soon, get involved. It's not a summertime activity. It's too late then. I'll give you a great example why local and state leadership is important. I like to call it the Pfeffer Factor. Maybe if New York State had real leadership statewide from the GOP and conservative parties, and they had real leadership in counties, and they had committee people who actually helped out from county to county and committee to committee, we would actually have a legitimate battle to win. In New York, we have a superpower majority in our Albany Assembly. So the Democrats really didn't need another seat because they already have the voice. However, you've met Thomas Sullivan. You've liked Thomas Sullivan. He's a really decent guy. And on election night, he won by 300 votes. But the incumbent uh, had a mother who is the clerk of Queens. Both of them endorsed by the U of T, which is in the local teachers union, active in NYSIT, involved with the local Democratic politicians. And in Queens, one of the absolute worst school areas, we have multiple districts with scandal after scandal, including my very own lawsuit. Somehow, the Pfeffer effect worked. And Stacey Amato was reelected weeks after the election and sworn in a couple of weeks after every one of her colleagues. Maybe if we had real leadership in Albany, if we had a real voice as a statewide GOP chair, things would have been different. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because the New York State GOP, uh, GOP chair is up for grabs. And the people that want it, nobody knows, nobody cares about, they can't raise money, and they have no statewide appeal. There are a couple of county leaders. There's somebody who ran for statewide office who did poorly. I mean, let's face it. New York, according to everybody else, still has Wall Street, still has Broadway, and still is considered the capital of the world, although it's quickly changing. We lost one congressional seat this time. Well, if things go the way they're planning with the woke education, the defund the police, the craziness in Manhattan, the uh, ability of illegal immigrants to win battles and get media attention over hardworking middle-class voters in both parties, Now, let me tell you, we're going to lose a a lot more than one seat next time around. Because just this week, there have been published reports 
that there are a record number of blacks leaving New York, the base of the Democratic Party. And if that happens, it's over. It's really over. New York will be run by illegal immigrants and a third world nation. So we've got to fight. We've got to make sure in our 2023 elections that people like our county leaderships, our committee members, and the people that are running in local elections actually have a voice so that a judge should not be able to oversee a case where they should obviously recuse themselves the same way in my own case. Audrey Pfeffer should have recused herself there because she has ties to NYSIT and the teachers union. And witnesses in my case are people she works with or had worked with from the Democratic Party. You know what? Freshman congressmen and to anybody else who's looking for money now for their next election. How about working on bipartisan uh, legislation, which will get support from both parties, on whistleblower protection that actually matters? Because in my own case, I have an email from representatives from the mayor's office that I had whistleblower protection. And we all know how that turned out. So the FEFA factor can become your factor if you don't stop this and stop it locally today, tomorrow, and every single minute in the future. Because let me tell you, we will have no chance in 2024 if we don't fix these things right now. Tell me your thoughts. By the way, share with me your experiences as whistleblowers and in lawsuits where there is an obvious conflict of interest. There are many people who do want to know these stories and want to share them and want to work together. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on Instagram, plus through the shows that you listen to this uh, broadcast through. Like I said, we have a huge show tonight. So sit back, stay tuned, and we'll be back right after the commercial. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. I am so honored to have Congressman August Fluga with us from Texas. And I will tell you that I had the pleasure of meeting him at an event. And he was one of the nicest people. You would never guess he was a congressman. He was like talking to everybody as if he was their best friend. And he never met 90% of the people there before. And that is what our government should be. Our government, our people that represent us should be working and talking with us and wanting to be with us, regardless of whether or not 
we're in their uh, district or not. So thank you so much, first of all, for your friendship and for joining the show. Well, thank you so much. It was great to meet you that evening, and it's nice to be on the show. Uh, you, you might wonder what the buzzing sound is, but that's uh, the, the sound that alerts us that legislative business is open, that we have floor activity. I'm in Washington, D.C., so excuse the uh, the horns that are that are going off, but just know that it does mean that we actually are doing something. Well, I have to tell you something. I'm noticing the congressmen are out there day and night, and I see mine and I see a lot of the others. I don't hear much from the senators these days. It's like maybe Republican leadership says we work and Democratic leadership says they play. You know, it's uh, it's so true. We looked at the amount of hearings, you know, regardless of what committee you served on from the 117th Congress. So, you know, think 2021 to, to the the end of, of last year in 22. So for two years, and, and you look at what we have planned, and it's night and day difference. I mean, what you're going to see under a Republican majority is actual work. We're going to have hearings. We're going to research things. We're going to get accountability. We're going to take steps to get this country back on track in so many different areas. So you're absolutely right. Under Republican leadership, I'm here to tell you, we work. We put the American people's needs first, and we're going to get some results because of it. And I'm very happy to say that uh, there are so many young, enthusiastic people that are representing us now and are listening to us. I could tell you just from my own experience, even with you and with others, text messages at 8 in the morning, at 10 at night, the enthusiasm to want to work with your people is amazing, and we have so much to do. Let's talk about the committees you're on. You're on the Energy Committee. Tell us what's going on there. Well, Cindy, I am. I'm on Energy and Commerce. It's a great committee. Uh, it it knows no limits on the jurisdiction, which is good because it's important for the American public to have an economy, not only that runs on affordable, reliable energy. My district is one of the most prolific producing regions in the world, uh, but but also not not only does it do energy policy, but it also has healthcare. It also looks at big tech. It also looks at the things that are going on uh, with regards to cyber vulnerabilities. You know, just uh, in, in the next few weeks, we should have the CEO of TikTok coming to talk to us because we have questions for them when it comes to privacy and security. We want to know what the Chinese Communist Party is up to. This committee is a great committee to make sure that the foundational pieces of our economy and of our country, security-wise, economically, and in so many other facets, are actually happening correctly and that we have good, smart, and responsible policy. That's what this committee does. Uh, I'm also on the Homeland Security Committee. I was getting to that next, and I think that's so important because many of my audience members and myself are very worried about what we see going on. And uh it's been a little, it, it's a joke, but it's really not a joke that people fear before the elections of 2023, we're going to be in World War III. Well, I certainly hope not. Um, but I think that under Democrat leadership, our eye is completely off the ball of the national security items and, and issues that we face. And let me just say, by way of introduction, uh, Cindy, I know I told you this, but but I served over two decades in the Air Force. I was a, a pilot. You can see behind me. Um, you know, the model of an F-15 um, and some of the memorabilia that I have from serving, but I was deployed all over the world. Um, you have a lot of combat time. 
And I can tell you that I am extremely disappointed in President Biden and his entire administration for refusing to focus on the issues that that really need attention. And whether it's the Chinese Communist Party, our southwest border, which my district is very close to the border uh, and, and is being completely overrun with millions and millions uh, of illegal immigrants who are coming across without any regard to the law or whether it's the situation in Ukraine or in Taiwan. We have a lot of issues facing this country. I'm proud to serve on that committee, proud to bring a focus back to national security to make sure that we never forget 9-11. I haven't forgotten it. And I want to make sure that we keep our country safe and every citizen can go to sleep at night knowing that the military and that the federal government is actually watching the threats out there. And right now, I'm concerned that the president is leading us down a bad path. I'm going to follow up with from that statement with two questions. First of all, there are reports now that we have to really worry about the northern border because people are so, you know, we've been ignoring the northern border, but yet, you know, questionable people are crossing at record numbers that we haven't seen before. Any response to that? Absolutely. We have to focus on it. When all of your resources in customs and Border Patrol, ICE and these other agencies are focused on the southern border, well, obviously leaves a hole on the northern border. And yes, we are seeing an uptick there and we need to focus on it. Let me mention one more border that we need to focus on. That's the cyber border. This is where we have ransomware attacks and we have the colonial pipeline that was hacked into and all sorts of bad stuff that's going on in private industry. And again, we need to focus on that border as well, because financially speaking, the impact is in the billions of dollars of losses to Americans and to our businesses and to our own bank accounts. This is why it's so important that you have to be strong. And instead of having peace through strength, what we see from this president is chaos through weakness. Yet time and time again, he displays complete weakness, not just here in our homeland, but throughout the rest of the world. You know, you talk about TikTok. It amazes me, and I know you can't answer it, but I feel compelled to say this. How many Republicans, people in the media, elected officials that are Republican and conservative are using TikTok? I just don't understand it. And I, I still question because I know what happened to me with Twitter. I question Facebook. I question Instagram. I question all of it. Besides the fact that it's destroying the next generations of actually communicating with each other in a peaceful, uh, friendly way or in a professional way, it's I don't understand where Republican heads are that they even think about going on TikTok. Well, I mean, how many thousands of years ago did we learn about the Trojan horse uh, issue? You know, and and this is kind of why I've raised my hand and said, I'm going to serve up here because I believe in keeping us safe and secure. And whether it's the Trojan horse of TikTok, because we know that the terms and conditions allow that app and allow that software to be very invasive for your own personal information, or whether it's the collusion we see from the the federal government being asked or asking, um, you know, apps like Twitter to not publish certain news stories that could have been damaging politically to the Biden campaign or to Democrats in general. This is what Republicans are up here doing. We're tackling the hard issues. We're researching and finding out the facts, and we're going to take action on these issues, just like you mentioned, whether it's TikTok or or, or any other issue with Twitter or, or other apps. 
Congressman, before I go into the next question, I just want to preface it by thanking you. You have a 100% voting record standing with Israel. And as a Jewess patriot, I am very proud to support all of your work and have my listeners learn more about you and the and your work. You went to Israel, I think your first trip was in 2003. You've actually flown with, I believe, the FIDF, the Israeli Defense Force? Well, I, I have. And in, in 2003... Uh, in, instead of operating in Israel, I actually flew with IDF, uh, with the Israeli Defense Force F-16s in the United States. And that, that was really my introduction uh, to being able to operate militarily um, with, with the Israeli Defense Force and with the, the professionals there. Uh, we, we do have a little bit of a rivalry between the U.S. Air Force and the Israeli Defense Force on who are better pilots. But let me tell you, this relationship that started 20 years ago um, you know, continued uh, and and through organizations like JINSA, through organizations like APAC, through organizations like the RJC and others. Um, you know, I also studied at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy here in Washington, D.C. for a year, uh, which focused on Iran. It focused on the Middle East and it focused on policy that is helpful to Israel. This isn't something this relationship is not something that I just, you know, thought was convenient. It's something that I believe in and have believed in since I was a, a little boy, actually, you know, uh, as a biblical story to me uh, that we will protect Israel, that I take it very, very seriously and have a longstanding relationship uh, with many leaders uh, in Israel, specifically um, with those that have, uh, have been willing to give their all um, through the Israeli Defense Force. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, since we're talking about uh, areas of tension, what's going on in the Middle East. And I only think, see things escalating with a weak administration. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, you know, in addition to the other issues, I mean, th- this is something that this region, when you look at what the administration has done to lift the pressure off of Iran uh, through, you know, this, this attempt to go back to a really bad nuclear deal, it's just incomprehensible to me. Iran is spreading terrorism and fomenting evil throughout all of the Middle East. I saw it when I was operating in flying combat missions over Syria and Iraq. You could see uh, the Iranian, you know, private military groups. You could see uh, the, the help that they provided to Lebanon through Hezbollah. You could see the issues that they were, you know, the, the rocket attacks inside Israel, all of this money, all of this help, all of this military equipment, this ideology that Iran and, and the Iranian people are, are beholden uh, to a very evil government. And so, yes, this region is still alive with hostility and hatred, and we have to make sure that Israel is protected. And, and I think that's one of the main criticisms of the Biden administration is they really have not focused on the Middle East like they should. And a lot of our partners, the Abraham Accord partners like the UAE and others are extremely dismayed by the lack of relationship and the lack of strength from the Biden administration. Congressman, tell us a little bit about your, you know, yourself personally, how you grew up, uh, your interest. We don't know much about you and we'd love to learn more. You are definitely a leader of the present and future Republican Party. Well, I grew up in Texas in a ranching family. And I, you know, all of the skills and the, 
um, the things that I've been able to do really originated from just hard work. Uh, you know, ranchers, we, we raise sheep, we raise goats, we raise cattle, you know, you just kind of have to figure it out. And so um, I had some role models, including my grandfather who flew um, in World War II. And that's why I wanted to be, uh, to become a pilot, went to the Air Force Academy, graduated there, and then spent, you know, like I said, um, actually still a, a colonel in the reserves, but but spent almost two decades in active duty uh, before transitioning into politics um, and just, you know, really see the world through the perspective of security. And, you know, our country did not become what we are easily. It took years and decades, centuries to become what we are. And I just see this administration giving it away. You have to be strong. That doesn't mean you're not compassionate, but you have to be strong. And where I grew up in Texas, you know, strength, but compassion, they went together hand in hand. Um, and, and, and when you, when you raise livestock and, and you live in an agrarian society, you just learn how to be responsible, how to treat your neighbor correctly um, and how to do business in a certain way that benefits the next generation. This administration has turned away from that. And your district is exactly where in Texas? We go from central Texas. You, know, you think about Austin. We're just outside of Austin and just southwest of Fort Worth. And we go all the way through central Texas, almost to the New Mexico line. It includes towns like Midland and Odessa and San Angelo, where I live. Well, I know firsthand experience as a, someone who has a, an immediate family member who just moved to Texas. I know what is happening in these red states, and I know what's going on in the Jewish communities in Texas. And I know you've been very involved with the Jewish communities in Texas. Well, I, I certainly have, uh, and I have some wonderful people there who have uh, not only supported me, but been mentors to me, people like Fred Zeidman uh, and, and others who are just very influential in the way that I think about problems, the way that I serve in Congress, um, expanding a network, and really introducing me to people all around the country to let them know that not only do I stand for Israel when it comes to a voting record, but I also have you know, a real tangible record through military service uh, of partnering with Israel uh, and being absolutely committed to the security um, of, of their, of the country, the needs, you know, in, in the region that I think, uh, like we, we've already mentioned, is, is a very hostile place. Congressman, I tell my listeners and followers and I write in my columns all the time that 2023 is the year of the local elections. And in some respects, they're really more important than the national ones of every four years because they set the tone locally and it sets the Republican and conservative clubs up. What would you like the message to be to Republicans and conservatives and to independent and frustrated Democrats who cannot relate to the progressives in their party anymore? What do you want to tell them? Well, first off, thank you for you know, your, your involvement and your activism and, and taking part in this, this great experiment that we have. But a, a representative form of government doesn't just happen with elected officials. It happens in our communities. If it were up to me, we would take the ballots and at the top of the ballot would be the school board. And then you would follow with the city council. And then you would follow with the county level. And then you would finally make your way, you know, to the state and, and the federal elections. So the president would be at the bottom of the ballot. 
And I think about that in this inverted pyramid where the local level of politics is truly the most important one. If you want to make a change, get behind a candidate in your community who believes in taking care of kids, who believes that parents have the right to put their kids in whatever school they want and that it's not the government telling them what's going to happen to their kids. It's parents. Get involved with the school board. Get involved in the local elections because those are the elections that should matter the most. And in fact, I'll tell you, Cindy, my, my biggest accomplishment when I'm done with hope is that's the congressman who helped keep the federal government out of our business. That's what I'd Bravo. like to do. You know, <laughs> and, and that's where I tell activists that when it comes to 24, get involved. If you're not happy with the way things are going in our country, it starts at the local level and good candidates will come out of the local level who are trained and ready to serve in Congress and who can keep the federal government out of our business. Any list, thoughts, anything you want us to look out for from your office and from any legislation you're going to be uh, introducing or working on? Well, we're going to continue to work closely with all these national security issues. I think what you'll see out of me this year is a real focus in the homeland security space on making sure that we counter terrorism. And that starts with what the Iranian government is doing. That starts with the oppressive nature uh, of what they're doing. We want to make sure that our homeland is, is safe and secure. And when it comes to the Energy and Commerce Committee, we're also going to be looking at that overlap uh, of tech and, the, and, and really the, the security, the safety, the privacy uh, that happens you know, in the cyber lanes, again, to make sure that our country is safe. So stay tuned. Go to fluger.house.gov. Um, sign up for my flyby. It's the Fluger flyby that, that is a weekly newsletter. Uh, and come see us in D.C. Let us know your thoughts because we are very active in championing these issues that I've just mentioned. Wow. You know, having this discussion with you, all people keep telling us is that all the Republicans want to do is investigations. It sounds like all the Republicans you in particular want to do is work and work for all people, regardless of an R or a D by their name. That's exactly right. There, there's a time and place for accountability. We will certainly have that. But it's time to get this country back to, you know, where that greatest generation put us on a path. I think we've really strayed from that. And, and I'd like to see us go back to that. Congressman August Fluga, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you for your service and looking forward to having you back again. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. And we are so lucky that we are one of the first people to interview Christina Bob about her brand new book, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. And I can tell you that someone who ran in 2020 as a pro-Trump in a primary with a GOP that was anti-Trump, I am 
so interested in getting all the details from you. Thank you so much for joining us and tell us about the book. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. Well, as a pro-Trump candidate in a Republican primary in 2020, you probably will not be surprised uh, by what surprised me the most in my investigation and what kind of the conclusions that I came to. But the way that I like to uh, summarize the book is Democrats stole the election and Republicans covered it up. And I wasn't prepared for the Republican cover-up and the Republican efforts at running interference as well. So I can tell you that recently, because there are grassroots groups looking to find this out, I received a phone call. Cindy, you actually won your primary. But here it is, 2023, a Republican Mm -hmm. ran in my seat, tied to the end with the bail reform that went around Long Island. They said, do you want to join a lawsuit? And I said, what am I going to accomplish? First of all, a Republican is there. They're not going to support me. And it seems like an impossibility. But I was told, Cindy, there are hundreds like you around the country. Did any of your findings relate to what I was told? Well, I I do believe that's accurate. So I I don't have specific findings, you know, of races all over the country. What I I looked into, um, I do have some stats and data from, you know, the, the most contested states. And I do mention New Jersey. I don't have New York in there. But, um, what I found more was the consistency in the attitude and the approach by Republicans. So you have a lot of information to indicate that there were problems, whether it was ballot stuffing or trafficking or whistleblowers. You know, we had hundreds of affidavits of people talking about irregularities throughout the process. And then we saw them throw Republican poll watchers and challengers out of the process, board up the windows, you know, there, was a, there were a lot of indicators that there was a problem. And what consistently happened in all of these states, when you'd go to the Republican leaders and say, hey, look, our people got kicked out. They were getting kicked out. We need to uh, take a, a closer look at these ballots. I mean, who knows how many ballots they counted without Republican observation. And almost a, 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 um, exclusively across the board, Most of the Republican leaders were going, no, 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 don't challenge the status quo. No, 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 don't challenge the status quo. They were not only did they refuse to fight, but they actually set up roadblocks for the people who wanted to investigate. I'm not talking about lawsuits or overturning the election. I'm talking about people who wanted to investigate to see what happened. And it was the Republicans who blocked them. Uh, I totally agree, because that's a lot of the information that I'm hearing from a lot of people and a lot of guests that have come on. Uh, Tell us. How do you think this is going to impact 2024 from your findings? I think it it needs to be a massive grassroots movement. And I know you and I were talking about this just briefly uh, off the air, but this has to come from the bottom up. It cannot come from the top down. We've been waiting for two years for the top down approach, meaning our state legislators, our state leaders, or even, even some of our federal leaders. And it's just not working. It's not working. We, the people, have to get involved. And we, the people, have to secure our own precincts. We have to secure our own counties. And if we do that, and if everybody does that across the country, the elections will be secure. Right now, they're not. Right now, there's still a lot of question marks in my mind about which areas are are secure and which ones are not. But I really do believe in the American spirit. I believe in the American people. And I'm sure you've seen, just like I have, many great patriots across the country working in grassroots organizations, many of which just started after 2020, 
They want to examine the voter rolls. They want to examine the drop boxes. They want to examine ballot printing. They want to examine, you know, the process from the printing facility going all the way through the tallying. They want to look at centralized counting. I mean, there's a lot of areas to look at here. And I've seen a swell of people doing that. And that's what encourages me. But it, it hasn't been enough. We need more. We absolutely need everybody involved. This is an all hands on deck moment. So I have to tell you that I heard recently multiple people have said it and you don't know this about me but i have the longest running lawsuit against randy weingarten but i believe she's the most dangerous person in america because her power over teachers unions and their power over endorsing and financially and uh helping local politicians to congress and senators has a big impact on all of this and the fact that so many schools house voting poll sites right any thoughts on on that from you um i i think it's something that needs to be looked into absolutely i think people need to look at how this election process is taking place and i don't think to your point i don't think it's a coincidence that you have schools working with election officials and there's questions surrounding that i mean look at what they're doing in our schools they're trying to take the power away from parents to decide what their kids are learning. And they want to indoctrinate the kids with material that these parents don't want. So it wouldn't surprise me that those same people who run in those circles are also doing something nefarious with elections, you know, look into it in your local area, whether you, you know, any of your listeners, any of your viewers get involved and research it because we only have two years to, to correct this. Tell our audience a little bit about you. So I'm an attorney. I started my career in the United States Marine Corps. I served mostly out of Quantico, Virginia, but I did a tour in Afghanistan as well as Germany. And then I was a civil litigator in San Diego for a while and then uh, went to get my LLM. It's a, a master's degree in national security law in Washington, where I then joined the Trump administration as uh, an executive at the Department of Homeland Security. And then I was a reporter. I kind of moved around a lot, just kind of following things that I thought were interesting. And then I went over to One America News. I know you've been very involved and interviewed on One America News um, and was there for a little while. That's how, how I ended up writing this book was as an investigative journalist, just digging into the 2020 election. I, I didn't intend to do this. You know, I don't have an elections background. I never uh, really participated in a campaign in any meaningful way. So this was all very new to me. Um, but I just started digging into it, looking at it and taking my notes. And I, I like to joke that I, I accidentally wrote a book because it was just I was taking so many notes from every every interview that I was doing. I mean, I interviewed hundreds of people and I, I had so much more material than what I could convey in the you know five to seven minutes that you get on air at a time. And so I, I wanted to put the book out so that people could get the whole picture. So then we got we have to ask you, because you used another outlet to get the voice out, as you know conservatives are being silenced all over the place. Yeah. I know what's been going on at OAN for like two years. Um, I think uh, almost two years already, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And now Newsmax. What do you tell people about conservative news and how to get facts? The stuff we are getting, even from some mainstream quote unquote right wing, which aren't really right wing. Yeah. It's in fact. No, it's not. I, I would say go to an alternative source like your show, you know, or OAN or Real America's Voice. You know, there's a lot of good outlets out there. They're smaller. Um, and in some extent, to some extent, they're getting smaller because they're being censored. 
but do we've got to do our research you know gateway pundits another great one there are really great news outlets out there that are reporting the truth they're just being censored so it's incumbent upon us to do our research to do our homework and figure out where the good news sources are and get your news from there so in new york we recently had an experience where on election night an assemblyman was ahead 246 points from a republican an incumbent was the democrat she uh said um had several lawsuits against the Republican. Mm-hmm. Her mother, the clerk in Queens, a Democrat, signed off on her paperwork. And suddenly, after several lawsuits, fifth uh ballots that weren't uh validated election night suddenly became validated and we lost a seat in New York. Unreal. Unreal. And I want your thoughts on this because this is local and this is where people and what your book really had, it's trying to educate people to get involved and to know the points. What can an average person do that's never been involved in politics, Mm -hmm. never been, you know, just wants to be a, a voter and feel that their vote counts? What should they do to get involved? Now, here's a local level situation. Yeah. And their hands were tied by, for lack of a better word, possibly corrupt democratic politics in our courts. Yeah, I would say volunteering at the polls is a great way to start if you can, uh, or become a precinct committeeman, you know, work with your state GOP. Some state GOPs are better than others as far as how America first they are. Um, If you're not satisfied with your state GOP, see if you can find a county GOP, the, you know, the party for your county, you might have better luck there. If that doesn't work, look for a grassroots effort in your area. There have been a number of tremendous people who are doing really great investigative work, whether it's investigative work or legal work or just community involvement surrounding this issue all over the country. So check and see if one has popped up in your community. If not, you know, maybe you want to create one, you know, depending on how much time you have on your hands, do you want to Go work for your county because that that's a perfect example. You know, if you had good America first, not even America first, just honest people working in the county and saw what would happen, it would be harder for that type of corruption to take place. So we just need good people in these local positions to make sure that everything's honest. Any last thoughts you want to share with our voters? I'm sorry, our listeners. I got to get out of vote. Yes. Yeah. You got to get out and vote, but you have to do more. I would say vote plus vote plus volunteer. Uh, maybe in some cases you don't even need to volunteer. You can work for the County. You can be a seasonal election worker. You can actually work for the County as an employee. You know, there's a number of ways to get involved in your community, but do it, whatever you do, do whatever you can to secure your local precinct in your County. And if we all do that across the country, our elections will be fine. I say four things. Educate because knowledge is power. Talk to your friends and back it up with fact. Donate. And that's $5, $10. We have to stop worrying just about the lobbyists and the big money because the majority of people yep. can't do that, but they want their vote to count. Volunteer. Volunteer 15 minutes on the phone from your house. If you do that yep. three times a week, it makes a difference. And of course, get out and vote and make sure everybody around you votes. We also have to accept the fact that we have to understand that we're never going to win if we don't accept early voting and mail-in voting. Relying yep. on election day is not necessarily the best situation for us. Now, one last question before you go, and I'm sure you get this a lot. 
a lot of people are very fearful of going out to vote in the future because they think their votes don't count. They think something is going to happen. Well, that's a lie that the Democrats would love us all to believe. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, you have nothing to lose. Go go and vote. And quite frankly, if you're in an area where they're using mail-in ballots or absentee ballots, do that. If you really don't want to go out to the polls, you know, in some way, make sure your voice is heard. But um, as we were just saying, I would, I would really like to see more than just voting. Volunteer, you can call, you know, work a phone bank or something from your home. But we need to have people, we absolutely need to have people involved. Stealing your vote, but the book that I just wrote, will help give you some ideas of what folks in other communities have done, and you can do that in your area. So the book is Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. Christina, Bob, where can our audience find you? They could buy the book direct on Amazon and in all major bookstores. Where can they find out more about you and to reach out to you? So on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Christina underscore Bob. And then on Truth and Getter, I am at Christina Bob. Thank you so much for the work you've done, the work you continue to do. And give us a little hint about 2024. What what should we know at this point? I I think if everybody goes out and secures their area, I think we're going to see a fantastic victory by Donald Trump. I think he's going to be back in the White House by 2025. And I think America and the world will be in for the most prosperous season probably that we've seen in our life. I'm very excited about it. I think really good things are coming. But before that can happen, we all have to do our part and we've all got to secure our elections. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you. Welcome back. Before we close the show, I want to share with you a very important pearls of wisdom to think about. You know, you got a lot from Christina Bob. You got a lot from the congressman. And now you're going to have a lot from me. I have a lot of questions I want you, my audience, to answer. I want you to tell me exactly What went on in Memphis? I can't figure out. And I'm kind of a smart person who actually does research. And I actually did research for this closing. I asked people in the black community, people in law enforcement, if they could explain to me some of these questions. And honestly, most of them couldn't. I still don't know why a 29-year-old man was stopped. I still don't know why there were five police officers surrounding him immediately, it seems, based on what we saw. I don't know about you, but if you ever watch a cop car sitting on his side looking for people with parking issues or, you know, highway speeding or 
even someone that follows a car, it's usually one car, maybe two people the most, sometimes single. I don't get how five police officers were called there and now they have a sixth and they have other people involved. I can't understand that. I also don't understand. We got four clips, maybe five clips. There were five police officers. There were other audio. There were other people involved. Where is every piece of evidence, not the edited? You know, we, we know how great edited works. We all saw or didn't watch the January 6th theatrical series starring no longer Congresswoman Liz Cheney. I'm not saying that this man should have been murdered if the courts prove it, which comes to my last point. What happened to the concept of innocent before guilt? Because whether or not it's this case or Trump or Biden or anybody else, we have a system now, the judicial system, that's supposed to be separate from politics that follows the belief of guilty before innocent, guilty with that, all the documentation submitted as evidence, with people taking the oath that they will not perjure themselves. Jury deliberations among peers. This is not a black issue or a white issue an Asian issue, an American issue. This is a worldwide issue of justice. Today, it was the incident in Memphis. Tomorrow, it could be you because somebody doesn't like you, takes a tape of you, harasses you, the wrong information comes out, and you are guilty before innocent. Tell me your thoughts. We'll share them next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Jewish Patriot. Thanks for watching the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on the Jewish Patriot Show.